those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the Pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's post the Australian Grand Prix, held for the first time in three years. And Craig, what an event it was. It was uh, amazing to be a mayor amongst so many people. And uh, the great thing is, I certainly don't have any uh, COVID uh, uh, little tickles in the throat or anything like that. But uh, you would have watched it from afar, and uh, it was the event that uh, it appeared on TV. The Grand Prix was amazing and uh, it was great work. I will uh, give credit to Richard Crowell, who did the commentary on Channel 10. I watched uh, a, a goodly amount of the race on Channel 10. And, uh, you know, you say live and free, and then you say you get what you paid for. In this case, live and free did not mean lesser quality. Richard's call of the race was first class. And if ever, there was a person putting his hand up to be a leading commentator on our main motorsport series. I think that was the best resume you could have uh, put in front of the selectors. So uh, congratulations to Richard, and of course on The Grid, his podcast. And uh, on top of that, yeah, wasn't it packed on race weekend? Now the, the racing, we don't need to go into that chapter and verse other than say Shane and, and Chaz look like the class of the field and perhaps what's going to decide this championship in supercars is going to be how bad your bad days are and already we have seen a, a diametrically opposed uh, situation with bad days. Chaz Mostert went down to Tasmania and the team was out to lunch for an entire weekend. Shane Van Gisbergen starts off the rear of the field and still manages to get on the podium. I, I think at the end of the year, could the second and third rounds of the championship be what actually determines it? And I know um, we talk a lot off air and in other conversations with people, Tony, about the... Michael Massey incident at the end of last year. And it's it's very easy to say the race was won or lost on the last lap of the Abu Ghabi Grand Prix. It's a very simple thing to say that. But you, as I have been around motorsports long enough now to know, that it can be lost in the first corner of the first race. It can be lost in the middle of the year. It can be lost by a mechanic not tightening up a nut in the fifth race of the year. It's not one necessary moment. It is the accumulation of all the moments. And uh, I, I am seeing now that Chaz has got great car speed, but his bad days can be bad. And, uh, of course, throughout the weekend, even those micro moments, if you like, 
Shane starts off the back, gets a podium. Chaz spins out uh, Courtney when he's on the last lap in fourth place and gets some significant penalties. So, you know, it turns a good result into a bad result very quickly. Now, if Shane Van Gisbergen passes Chaz Mostert on the last lap for the championship this year, is it the pass for the last, the last race? Or is it that moment where Shane, uh, when Chaz and uh, Courtney came together? Or is it that moment that Shane drove from the back of the field to win it? We don't have that type of tightness of championship at the moment, Tone. But we, we do have some parallels and we have got a situation where bad days are going to be as influential as good days. Indeed, and one of the great things at the weekend was we saw some, maybe not new names, but uh, young men who've been driving in the category for a number of years have some of their best results. Morcauley Jones, Gary Jacobson, they had great weekends, uh, best qualifying, best race finishes, and and that's fantastic to always see that occur. Um, And it's a reflection that... uh, teams getting on top of their particular game in terms of their driving and engineering of their cars. So that's, I think, always a a wonderful thing, and particularly in in front of a very large crowd, because Craig, I don't know if it is the largest ever Formula One crowd at a Formula One race, but by crikey, there were people everywhere every day. Yes, it was certainly the largest in Melbourne. Um, I think the event at... The Circuit of the Americas last year might have got the uh, all-time record still. But they were treated to a lot of racing. And I know this is inside supercars. I've given a sermon about uh, Chas Mostert and uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. But you really did enjoy a lot of the other racing that was on the circuit, uh, particularly the S5000s. Yes, the 5000 put on a great show. It's almost like every driver was different. Of course, every driver wasn't different from Bathurst last year when, by crikey, some young men were doing some very stupid and foolhardy things in open-wheel race cars. But it wasn't only there. We also had some terrific racing in Carrera Cup, um, putting on a great uh, show. Uh, And we, uh, as we interviewed during uh, this uh, couple of weeks, um, Aaron Love, um, has uh, headed off to Europe uh, by next weekend. He's racing in France, coming and going from our series to uh, do bigger and better things overseas. Um, there was a terrific event around the whole uh, precinct. Um, I, I can't think of any time I saw anybody looking unhappy. It was everywhere uh, you went, there were plenty of people who were enjoying the time. And... Uh, I must say that it was probably one of the best uh, races, weekends I've been at Albert Park since it arrived there back in the 90s. One of the common criticisms of the race at Melbourne when it's compared to Adelaide is that Adelaide embraced it as a city. Melbourne, it was another big event in a city that hosts big events, but the city doesn't get taken over by it. I did get the feeling this time the Grand Prix was the focus of the series, of the city, even with the fourth round of football already underway. Indeed. It's uh, very much so um, that uh, there was 
far more activity outside the um, uh, actual race uh, precinct in Albert Park. There was noticeable more traffic around the city. Uh, I actually had dinner on Saturday night in uh, Ligon Street in Carlton and um, didn't see the enormous number that happened on the Sunday night post-Ferrari uh, Charles Leclerc winning the race. But everywhere around town, there certainly seemed far more activity than there has been in past years. So that was well worthwhile and terrific that uh, the series is passed of the uh, Grand Prix weekend and that points are on, on uh, order and they're taken and won and a you know, standard operating procedure in some ways with um, certainly Chas Mossett showing himself and Walkinshaw United, um, them doing very well as well as um, Grove putting their hand up with a few podiums. Um, it's just, uh, it looks like being a great series and uh, as we already get ready for uh, Perth and Winton and Darwin and Townsville, it looks like being a crackerjack year. It does indeed. And from one event that it has had the COVID rug pulled out from under it for a number of years to the next supercars event. And that, of course, is to the Super Night in Perth at the end of the month. So uh, I know a lot of fans in the West are looking forward to that returning. Indeed. Um, to that end, we might just make mention of we hope very soon to have Peter Zabiris on the show. He was in Perth on the weekend, not over with his race team, which is our park, but his other racing team, that being a drag, double, double A fuel dragster, which he did very well. He gave the runner-up for the, for the round there. Darren Harris uh, won it in a uh, fuel dragster. Um, Peter was only able to do a 3.83 second pass. Uh, 516 kilometres an hour or something like that. So, <laughs> it's pretty insane sort of numbers. But, Just uh, a bit slower than his supercars, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Um, if there's no other subjects that uh, you're wanting to raise at this stage, I think we'll say uh, farewell to this week's Inside Supercars. Thanks again for joining us and look forward to talking to you next week. You can always go to sportradio.com.au and look up our, some of our past chats and interviews. Thank you for joining us again. Inside Supercars, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.